I love what Paul just said. He said that it's a decision, right? We make that decision to follow God forward. And I love the story that we looked at last week, if you remember it, with Moses, right? And Moses was wrestling within himself, right? There were times where he was just like, God, I can't do this. And again and again, God, I can't do this. But eventually he made the decision to follow him forward, and God did marvelous things with his life. And I believe the same is true with our lives as well. And so the challenge this morning is to follow God forward, to follow him forward. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit more. God, we give you thanks this morning um, for your grace. We give you thanks this morning that we get to come into this place and um, sing songs of praise to you. And God, as we stand here in this place, and as we sing these songs of praise, God, we're singing them out of different places in life. None of our experiences are the same. All of our experiences are unique. But the reality is our God is the same. And so, God, we thank you for being a God that relates to us in the places where we are. A God who shows grace to us no matter what we've done, where we've been, even wherever we are in our life right now. But God, we thank you that you're a God that doesn't allow us to stay that way because you love us so much and you call us forward. And so, God, as we hear your voice, may we follow you forward. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Tri-Cities Church. I'm Wesley. I'm one of the pastors here at Tri-Cities Church, and we're glad that you, are, that you are here. If this is your first time here with us, we welcome you especially. Also, we'd love to know that you are here. In your seat, there should have been a card. Um, those are just uh, connection cards. or just ways of uh, just connecting with us. Um, and you can fill out as much information on the front as you're comfortable with. And uh, if there's anything you want us to be in prayer with you about, um, because we love to do that, and, and I always like to say this, we love to hear when prayers are answered, right? Um, and so uh, if there's anything you want us to be in prayer about, please write that on the card, and we promise you we will be praying for you. Monday mornings, uh, Jamie and I are here, um, and uh, we're here, we meet right here in our um, little office back here, and, uh, and we spend time in, in prayer on Monday mornings. That time may change, because... Uh, because Paul now, be in prayer for Paul. Paul is now uh, doing his residency at Atlanta Medical Center. And so he's not able to be with us on Monday mornings. And we'd love to be able to meet with him and pray with him as well. Um, Paul is our, is our worship leader who was standing here just a few minutes ago. Um, but we, we love knowing what's going on and being out, having this opportunity to pray with you. And then hearing as God works through these situations with you and helps you uh, grow through it. That, that's what we believe God does. As we trust him, as we follow him forward, he helps us to grow through it and uh, makes us stronger. And so we can, uh, we can look back and there are times that I look back and I say, it almost killed me, right? It, it almost did me in. Um, but, but whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger, especially when you're walking with the Lord. And we're able to say I'm stronger because of what God has been with me through, right? Not just carried you through what well, he's been with you through, strengthening you, because God's going to make you do some work on your own as well, right? He's not going to pick you up and carry you through all the way. He's going to make you do some work on your own. So as we work with God, God does marvelous things in our lives and through our lives, and we believe that is true. Um, well, this morning we're continuing our series. We're simply calling it Stories. And um, this just was kind of birthed out of this idea that there's a lot of stories in the Bible, um, especially in the Old Testament, but also in the New. And we just wanted to tell some of these stories that are found in the Scriptures. And so for, for I think I said last week, at least four weeks, possibly more, um, more than four weeks, but none less than four weeks, we'll just be looking at some stories um, in the Bibles and stories about 
followers of Christ and, and, and exploring what they mean for our lives, how we can take those stories and apply them to our lives in a way that's meaningful. And so this morning, I just want to tell a story that comes out of Genesis chapter 11. It's the story of the Tower of Babel. And so let's, let's just explore this, this story together. So the story in Genesis begins at a time, I guess a time in our world when things were much simpler. Uh, life was much simpler for people to relate to one another, to get together, to know one another, to work with one another, to partner with each other. When we read in the Bible, it begins right there in Genesis chapter 1. It says the whole world had the same language and a common speech. Right? So everyone spoke the same language. Now, that wasn't English. <laughs> so just, just in case you're wondering, that wasn't English. And I don't know if we, any of us wonder what, know what that language is. My best guess would be Hebrew. But whatever language it was, it was a language that God originally spoke to Adam and Eve in. And people from that time were still speaking in that language. And so they all had that same language. But when we read that story a little bit deeper, the thing we find out is that not only did they have the same language, but that the world wasn't as complex then as it is now, right? Because people had the same culture. Everyone was from the same race. Their background was the same. This was only three generations past that of Noah. And so things hadn't got very complex yet. Everyone was still related to each other. But because they had so many children, right, because they were having so many sons, and daughters, communities were beginning to form. And so it's a much simpler world where it was easy for people to get together and partner with one another to do things. And in Genesis 11, if you read this story, I think it's only nine verses or so. When you're reading this story, you see that they used this simple world that they were living in to their advantage. They decided they were going to build a city with a tower that reached to the heavens. And so the first thing they do is what you would do, anybody would do, right? If you're building a city, you build a wall around that city so it's protected from the enemies. And then you begin building buildings and homes and different structure and infrastructure and roads within that city. And then they set out to do the thing that they wanted to do, which is build a tower with the top of it reaching to the heavens. And they began building this tower. You see, these people had gained the knowledge to make bricks. This morning, I walked around the building, and I was able to find a, a brick, a, a red brick, and I was able to find, find a rock. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of slugs inside the hole in the brick. Um, but uh, I saw them right before. Actually, I think one of them is out. Uh, but I saw them right before, right before service. Um, in there, and I figured they could just stay in and enjoy the uh, music uh, as well. Um, but, but I found these two bricks, and the people had learned this art of building bricks, right? They had gained the knowledge to build bricks. Now, there's a difference between a brick and a rock, right? And it's kind of obvious. This brick is kind of perfectly formed. It's rectangular. It's easy if I had another brick. I could easily stack one brick on top of another. But with rocks, they come in these different shapes and sizes. And it's very difficult to stack one on top of the other. Well, these people had learned the art of baking bricks. In Genesis 11, it tells us that they, they uh, baked these bricks in the sun and they uh, allowed them to dry and they used those to build the tower that they were determined to build. 
And so you can imagine the kind of purpose that these people live their life with, the kind of enthusiasm that they got up every morning with. Every morning they were doing something, and as they saw this come together, right, as they succeeded at building this tower, more and more they had a different level of excitement every single day, and every day had purpose. Right? You can imagine the guys out there digging and filling buckets full of dirt. You can imagine the women collecting water that they can mix with the dirt to make the bricks. And the children gathering hay and straw and putting it all in there together and shaping these bricks and watching them set in the sun. And then stacking one on top of the other and seeing this tower rise. Now, you can imagine they would come into all kinds of challenges. They don't have cranes like we have today. I'm sure they didn't have uh, aluminum ladders like we have today or even those ladders that, you know, they're on the track and you can let them up a little bit higher. I'm sure they didn't have scaffolding made out of metal like we have today. And so each different level had its own set of challenges. But each time they faced one of those challenges and conquered it, their enthusiasm began to grow. Their sense of purpose began to grow. They had this feeling that we're going to do this and we're going to do this well. Their lives had, had purpose. You imagine, or do you remember a time when you felt like your life had that kind of purpose? Where getting up out of the bed in the morning wasn't difficult because there was stuff you had to do. Right? Maybe it was when you first got married, or, or maybe it was when you graduated college, or graduated high school, or got a new job. Maybe it was one of these things, and you felt like you had purpose and meaning in your life. And every single morning, you got up with this joy, this enthusiasm, this sense of, sense of purpose, and you went to work. We can find meaning in work. In fact, in Genesis, the Bible tells us that we were created here to Work And God gives us work to do with our hands and not just an occupation, but every day there's work for us to do. And as these people put their hands to work, the work of building this tower, they found meaning in life and purpose. Now, the story kind of takes a turn because it begins with this enthusiasm, this joy that they had. But God wasn't impressed by this tower. Let me just tell you, God saw everything that they were doing and God was in no way impressed by what they were doing. And now the reality is God doesn't, it's not that God doesn't like skyscrapers, right? Because they were building this tower to the heaven. It's not that God doesn't like that. In fact, human creativity and ingenuity is one way that we honor God. Now, I know some of you are, and all of us are different. Some of you like to go out into the, um, maybe to the mountains and you can look out and you marvel at God's creation and you say, look what God has done, right? Or you go somewhere in the country and you look and there's a lake or on the beach and there's a crystal blue water and pristine white sand and you say look what god has done but we can also do the same thing in the city because we see creativity human ingenuity innovation coming together to build skyscrapers and towers and we can say god did that god did that you know, there's times in our life that we take the things, right? We make the bricks. We take the things that God created and we build things out of them. And then we live as though God had nothing to do with that, right? But God gave us the dirt, the water, the hay, the things to do that. God created things. And so our purpose can never be found and meaning can never be found in the things we produce. But the God who produced the things that we use in turn to produce things. 
But the people at Babel began building bricks out of mud, hay, water. And they said, we did that. You know, there's a saying that says knowledge is power. The more knowledge they gained and they didn't have to work with rocks, as they gained this knowledge, they began to feel powerful. And the problem with power is that often power, as we gain it, prevents us from recognizing the higher power. And so, yeah, they wanted to build a tower that reached to the heavens using the God-given materials that they had, using the brains that they were given by God, the creativity, the innovation that didn't just come about, but that God wired in them. They were building a tower to the heavens and saying, yeah, we did that and living as though God had no part in it. My dad used to always say when we were growing up, whenever we do something that wasn't, that wasn't dumb <laughs> or that he felt was somewhat smart, he would say, that's what you call using your head for more than a hat rack. Right? <laughs> Our heads are more than hat racks, right? There's a brain in there, and God has given us that brain to use it, to be creative, to be innovative, to do new things, to think outside the box, to come up with new ways of solutions to the problems in this world and the challenges that we face. God has given us that ability, and he wants us to do that. But when we do that, right, when we build towers that reach to the heavens, he doesn't want us saying, I did that, but God did that because God created us. And so God wasn't in the least bit impressed by their tower. I think this is a moment to stop in this story and to think about this. Because often we miss these feelings of success, these feelings of purpose, and we mistake them for being signs of God's approval. Right? When we get a new job and we have this feeling of purpose, this feeling of success, we feel like that's God's approval. Or when we start some new project and we have this feeling of success or this feeling of, of being accomplished, we say that's God's approval. Where these people, the more they felt successful, the more they felt like their lives had purpose, the more they chased after that purpose, the more they worked into the late night, night hours, the more they did that work that they were doing. Because they felt like they had God's approval. Or they felt that there was nothing God could do about it. You see, we've got to be careful not to mistake this momentary and short-lived success as a sign of God's blessing and a sign of God's approval. In fact, Randy Alcorn says, um, he says, We as humans often major in the momentary and minor in the momentous, right? We major in the momentary, that thing that's short-lived, that temporary success, that thing we do it and we pursue it and we pursue it. And when it ends, our lives feel like they're crashing. When God has called us to major in the momentous and the big things in this life and the things that we work with God on, the things that exceed human imagination and human wisdom and human knowledge where we can look back and we can say, God did that. God wants us thinking out the box in that kind of way. God doesn't want us doing just what humans are able to do. God wants us doing what only God himself can do through us. 
And so when we're living these ordinary lives and we're able to say, I could do that without God, God wants to stretch us forward. God wants to stretch us out of that box. God wants us to get to a place where we can say, I couldn't have done that, but God did that in me and through me. But God is evidenced in my life. But God is using me. But God is doing unique and powerful and useful things in my life. You see, the people at Babel hadn't gotten there. They want it to be gods themselves, gods of their own territory, gods of their own land, gods of their own accomplishments, gods of their own success. Knowledge is power, and often that power prevents us from seeing the higher power, from recognizing his involvement in our lives. And I guess a challenge right here would be to set some boundaries in your life so that as you gain knowledge, as you have success, that there's somebody that's going to deflate you just a little bit, right? Right? My wife does that well for me. <laughs> My mother does that well for me, right? Don't, don't shun those people. Don't ignore them and put them out of your life, but listen to them because knowledge is power and that power often prevents us from seeing the higher power and saying, I can do this on my own. Listen, we need people in our lives to bring us down. Right? We need people in our lives who can encourage us and motivate us and inspire us to reach for the sky, to reach for the stars. But then we need people that when we have that success, that we're not turning that around and saying, I did that, I'm successful, but God, yeah, <laughs> he was there. He was present. He did that. He was at work in me. Who's doing that for you? Right? Who's doing that in your life? Who do you have in your circle that you find in, that you gain energy from, that you gain life from, that you gain inspiration from and vision from? And then who in your life is somebody that you can count on to bring you down when you reach great success and say, hey, listen, God did that. Recognize God. Give praise to God for what he's done. Stay on track. But give praise to God. Slow it down and give praise to God. You see, one of the keys to life on earth is balance. Finding that balanced place. Having both things at work in our life so that our lives are not spiraling out of control. What the people at Babel learned is that it's easy for their lives to spiral out of control and to ignore and to forget about God God wasn't impressed by their tower and God made a decision to stop them from building. And what God does in this story is he comes down, he sees what they're doing. And it says that he scattered the people all over the world and gave them different languages so that they couldn't understand each other as well. And no more could they work with each other. And then what began happening is, is these people are scattered all over the world with people groups that spoke the same language, but a people group over here that spoke one language and a people group over here that spoke a different language and a people group over here that spoke a different language. Different cultures began to merge and aspirations and vision began to merge out of those cultures and races of people began to form. And as those races and po people and cultures Form, they no longer want it to work with one another. And what we see in this world is we find ourselves more trying to keep from fighting each other than trying to work with one another. 
You see, as a result of Babel, or at least in a post-Babel world, we have hate crimes, we have terrorism, we have crazy wars that are happening nation against nation. We live in a world where nation never ceases because we fail to understand one another in this post-Babel world. And we fear what we don't understand. And that fear too often drives us to violence. It drives us to segregation and separation. It hinders the diversity that God wants in his church. You see, in this post-Babel world, things are much more complex than they were in the pre-Babel world. And it's much more difficult for us to partner with one another and get things done. And in this world where all this craziness is happening, where people can't get along with people, where people are dividing against people, the people at Babel and people every day since, every generation since have been asking this question, where is God in the midst of this? In the middle of this world with all of its craziness, you turn on the news and you hear story after story of race racial tension or nations fighting with one another or different challenges that we have in our society that are often based over misunderstandings. And people are asking this simple question, where is God in the midst of this? And I think that's an important question for us to ask. But not just to wonder, but to turn to the scriptures and to answer it because God's answered it. You see, the scriptures are clear when we ask that question, where is God in the midst of this? The scriptures scriptures are telling us that God is here, that God is here right here in this world, that God has not abandoned this world, no matter how bad things may seem, no matter how deep trouble gets, no matter how dark your darkest night is, God can be with you through that. And God hasn't abandoned this world. And in fact, Jesus' life teaches us that that is true. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Right? God loved the world and chose not to abandon it, but He sent His Son, Jesus, to this world to be a part of it. And so where is God? God is here in this world. He has not forgotten it. He has not abandoned it. God is here in this world, but not only is God here twiddling his thumbs, but God is here at work in and through the church. God is here in this world working through the church. The reason I love this story of Babel so much and why it speaks so deeply to my life is because what we see in the church is that what happened in Babel is being overcome in the church. You see, in that pre-Babel world, everyone had the same language, the same understanding. They were easily partnering with one another. They were getting things done together. In a post-Babel world, people are dividing, people are separating. But in the church, God is bringing people together. And they're sitting side by side. And they're working with each other in ways that they never would have apart from the church. You see, that's the commitment of Tri-Cities Church is one reason why one of our values is diversity, because we believe that through the church and in the church, the ill effects of Babel are being overcome and that God is bringing people together to partner with one another to get some things done. Right. There are some things in this world that God is not happy with. Right. There is a lot of Babel going on, confusion and chaos that's happening in this world. And God wants to overcome it through the church. 
And so as a church, yeah, we have an unrelenting commitment to bringing people together from diverse groups and diverse places to stand with one another, to work with one another, to get some things done. And now in the church, we have a people who have something in common again. You see, the Bible teaches us that the gospel is a universal language of the church. In fact, in Acts, I love this scripture in Acts chapter 2, at the beginning of the church, it's the birth of the church. And in Acts chapter 2, something very powerful happens and we miss it if we're not paying attention. In Acts chapter 2, verse 5, listen to what it says. And I'm going to try to get all these names right. It says, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound... A crowd came together in bewilderment and began, and, and, and because each one heard their own language being spoken. All right, let me back up a little bit and give a little bit of context. And so the people are here gathered in Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, um, um, a better way of saying that, maybe God's power um, begins to move through the people. Spirit's just not a familiar word with us so much today unless you're part of the church. Um, God's power begins to, uh, to work through people, and that, that's even a foreign concept. But things begin to happen. People begin doing things that they could not do before, but for God's power. All right, so God begins to speak through these people in other languages. And so it would be the same as me standing here and begin speaking in another language that I never, that I never studied. And that begins happening. And so it says the people were bewildered um, and they were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So people from all over the world who had lived separate from one another were all gathered here. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that we hear them in our own native tongue? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cap Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Christians and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? It means that what happened at Babel is now being overcome in the church. That people who could not before understand one another, understand each other because they're working towards the same end. And we're not building a tower, right? We're bringing about God's restorative work in this world. And we're working for that. And so while these people in Babel set out to build this tower for their own glory that would reach to the heavens... In the church, the heavens are reaching down to us for God's glory on the earth. And now we are able to unite together in the church in a way like never before. You see, the scriptures calls us to ask this question, where is God? Where is God in this world that's divided? And the scriptures answer that question. God is here. God is working through the church. And the primary responsibility of the church is simply that, to be the church, to be a community through which God is working, to be a community that unites together, that functions as the church, that works together for the good of this world, for God's good in this world. God has called us to simply be the church. And as the church is the church, the things we'll see happening is, one, the divisions in this world will be healed. The divisions that we see in this world, we, we often ask, and we talked about this even right after the Ferguson 
um, um, uh, event that happened in, in Ferguson, Missouri. And we talked about this after um, Trayvon Martin and things like that that bring about racial tension in this country. Even when you look at, at the news and you see, um, you see uh, different conflicts between uh, Muslims and, and Christians and conflicts between uh, people in different nations wanting to war against one another and not being able to go even 24 hours hardly with ceasefire and peace. When we see these things and we ask, where is God? God is in the church and God wants, God is working through the church. He's in this world and he wants to bring these people together and he wants them to sit side by side and he wants their hatred for one another to be healed and he wants that hatred to turn into hope and that hope to turn into movement and that movement to turn into healing you see the church only has power as it is is the church a community where it's bringing people together in this post-Babel world. So the first thing we see that happens is that the, these tensions, these challenges in this world are healed. The divisions of this world are healed. The second thing that we see that begins to happen is that the church begins providing a clear representation of the world as God intended. You see, the church ought to be that place where people look at the church and they say, that's what God intends in this world. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. We are all human people, right? We all have flaws. We often find it difficult to live with one another, not in conflict. And that's why even, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. That's why even I celebrate conflict in the church, because it shows that the right thing is happening, that people who don't think alike, that haven't lived alike for a long time are coming together with different thoughts and ideas, and those things are clashing in the church. So I celebrate conflict in the church. But even more than that, I celebrate grace in the church. When you walk, come against somebody that says, I don't agree with you, and I, can't, I don't want to work with you, but by the grace of God, I'm choosing to do different, right? I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to get to understand you. I'm going to do life with you, even though you're not like me. So yeah, Tri-Cities Church, if you're looking for a church where you're just going to be peaceful and you don't have conflict, we don't want to be that place, right? We want to be a place where people with different ideas and opinions and different backgrounds and histories and stories and cultures and beliefs and worldviews are coming together in this place, but together by the grace that God's shown us, we're showing it to one another and we're working together for the good of this world. We want to be a people united, not for our own glory as the people in Babel, but united for God's glory. You see, the story of Babel points us to the church and it points us to this world where God is going to be healing division. And bringing people to work together so that together we may be becoming the world as God intended. We won't get there, but together we point forward to that world that is on the horizon where all this will be healed and the world as God intended will exist. We work, not wait, we work for that day. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks this morning that you've given us this time together. Yet to study this scripture, this difficult scripture in Genesis, and to hear how these people were after their own glory, after their own good. And God, we thank you that you didn't just 
wipe them out. (laughs) But you chose to scatter them that you might reunite them in the church. God, we pray more than than anything that Tri-Cities Church will be that place, that it will continue becoming that place where different people are brought together for the good of this world and for your glory. And so, God, we celebrate that as we see it happening. And we ask for that more and more. God, I pray that as that happens, that you'll continue to give us grace, that you'll continue to give us the ability to unite with one another and not be overwhelmed by our differences, but to be united by the same God that we worship. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen.